You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, dental listener. This is Michael Kist with a quick qualifier and update on the Deshaun Jackson situation. We talk about it in this show. I still mean what I said about it, so that's not necessarily out of date. What is out of date is that the Eagles have issued a statement regarding the Deshaun Jackson situation, which I'm sure you know about. Again, if you don't know about it, go ahead and Google it. The Eagles released this statement, quote, we have spoken with Deshaun Jackson about his social media post. Regardless of his intentions, the messages he shared were offensive, harmful, and absolutely appalling. They have no place in our society and are not condoned or supported in any way by the organization. We are disappointed, and we reiterated to Deshaun the importance of not only apologizing, but also using his platform to take action to promote unity, equality, and respect. We are continuing to evaluate the circumstances and will take appropriate action. We take these matters very seriously and are committed to continuing to have productive and meaningful conversations with Deshaun, as well as all of our players and staff in order to educate, learn, and grow, end quote. And of course, Deshaun had his own apology, which you can have your own opinion on. For me, wasn't enough, but that's another discussion for another day as we continue to work through this. With that said, here's the QB Factory Episode 6. You are inside the QB factory where our magical development dust make dreams come true. I am your host, Michael Kist. This is all, of course, brought to you by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Episode 6, QB factory with me as always, Mark Schofield, quarterback one in our hearts, in our minds. Mark, brother, how you doing? We're alive. We are alive. And, you know, I used to never like that expression when you would ask somebody how they're doing. They would just say, I'm alive. I used to have a boss that I worked for back when I was an awful lawyer before I was an awful sports writer. And that would be his response. His like wrote catchphrase. I'd ask him how he was doing. I'm alive. And I never understood it. I always hated it. In this day and age, in the year of the (laughs) Rona, I kind of get it. It's dark. It's macabre. Um, It's very gallows humor. But I think we're all kind of there right now. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I got the quarantine uh, beard beard going. Nice. The people that can see you on News Channel 8, they love it. Yeah, I got to reach out to uh, Beard Club and get them to sponsor the show so I can plug them some more. But yeah, I've got some some product in it. Now it's it's manageable. But other than the the fantastic beard, I'm calling it fantastic. I don't care. Of course, there's some Eagles news that I want to talk about before we get into the obvious topic of the show, which is going to be the Patrick Mahomes setting the world on fire contract never seen before type thing. But of course, there is something to get to that before the Mahomes of it all. I wanted to address something Eagles related in that I don't know what the hell is causing Deshaun Jackson to do whatever it is he thinks he's doing, but it's disgusting. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I encourage you to hit the Google button and get all the context you need. I'm sure it'll be brought out into the light with bigger media attention once an apology is issued and the Eagles deal with it. As we record right now, I haven't seen anything on that front. I might be behind on that, so I apologize. But at the bare minimum, 
of what needs to happen. An apology from Deshaun is definitely first on the list because pushing anti-Semitic, anti-gay, misogynist views while posting fake Hitler quotes about Jews, that's, as they say, not it. And look, he's old enough to the point, and maybe it's ignorance, but he's old enough to the point where ignorance is not an excuse, even though he seems very confused on what exactly the passages he's sharing are really saying. And as of right now, I know that the Eagles are going to be responding to this today per Adam Schefter. I saw him tweet that out. So we'll see what happens with that because there is absolutely no room for any of that nonsense. It's just indefensible. So we'll see how the Eagles deal with that. Mark, let's talk some of Holmes. What do you think? I think we could talk some of Holmes, but I think you, you said what you said about Deshaun. It was perfect. It was well said. And they're right. There's There's no room for that. Um, and we wait to see both his and the organization's response. Let's start, as usual, with our history reference. And to get ready for today's show, I dusted off a gift from you, or at least a recommendation, I believe, from you, Mr. Yeah. Test. The Storm Before the Storm, the beginning of the end of the Roman Republic from Mike Duncan. And I'll read from this for a moment. While Sulla fretted over his sovereignty, the remaining rump of the Senate took steps to legitimize his actions. Duncan's a great writer, by the way, and I, I just love that sentence. That's just yeah. so good. They accepted his report on the Mithridatic War and confirmed all the settlements he had made in Asia. They repealed the decree, making him an enemy of the state. They even ordered a large statue of Sulla be erected in the forum, bearing an inscription of his own devising, Lucius Cornelius Sulla Felix. The title Felix now entered his official propaganda. It meant Sulla the Fortunate. But all of those decrees still left Sulla on the other side of the walls. So Sulla offered a radical suggestion revive the ancient dictatorship. It had been 120 years since Rome gave itself over to the hands of a dictator. Once in ubiquitous office in the early days of the Republic, the dictatorship had been abandoned in the triumphant era of the Republican Empire. Sulla composed a long letter to the Senate proposing that they make him dictator. He said that Italy was devastated, the Republic gutted by the fire of a brutal civil war. There was no aspect of social, political, or economic life that had not been upended by the events of the last decade. If Sulla was to fulfill his destiny and restore the Republic to its former glory, he needed more than consular authority. He needed absolute and unquestioned authority. His suggestion was a shock and deviation from all accepted custom. But what was the Senate to do? Say no? So they complied with Sulla's request. To bridge the constitutional gap, now that both Senate councils were dead, the Senate revived the ancient office of interrex. The Republican occasionally used an interrex to oversee consular elections if the councils were dead or so indisposed that they could not return to Rome. Since this was obviously the case, the Interrex convened the assembly and presented a bill to make Sulla dictator legibus faciendus et republicae constitutionae, <laughs> dictator for the making of laws and settlement of the constitution. The assembly passed the bill unanimously. Now, Mike, I bring this up because of the idea, what was the Senate to do? Say mm. no? And I think yes. that leads us to Patrick Mahomes. It does, because also uh, somebody who took the mantle of dictator for a 10-year period was Julius Caesar yes. before, you know, getting it in perpetuity, you know, for life. A quick book reference to follow up on that. Story Before the Storm, fantastic. Mike Duncan is excellent. Uh, Dynasty, which is what I'm finishing right now from Tom Holland, who also did Rubicon. Many of you yeah. have, have shared your uh, love for that book that I've recommended before. And I also recently bought The Poison King, The Life and Legend of Mithridates, because you mentioned the Mithridatic War and everything like that. That's by Adrian Mayer, so I'm going to be getting into that soon as well. So those are your QB Factory book suggestions of the month. Make sure you check those out. But let's talk about the 10-year dictatorship of Julius Caesar, a.k.a. Patrick Mahomes, who are very similar, uh, of course. Obviously. <laughs> Mark, I mean, it's 
It's a 10-year extension. He's got two years on the rookie deal, deal still, so it's 12 years overall you're looking at for the future for Mahomes. It is $503 million of money, and if you're wondering how much that can buy you or what that can buy you, I recently tweeted out, he could buy either 4,000 private island lots in Fiji or he could buy roughly 91,911,765 cronuts. So that's a lot of, that's a big choice. That's a lot of cronuts he could have at his disposal if he so chooses. But I mean, it's a huge contract. And as you wrote for the touchdown wire, it, sh- it officially shifts the paradigm because this is the, uh, a contract. We've seen 10 year contracts before. This one making Mahomes the the most paid uh, quarterback in history, and the way they've set it up and 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 done it with the the cap in mind, the different things that can activate all all this these details about the contract, a lot of them over my head. But what I know is it's a lot of money. Mark, what about this shifts the paradigm, and what do you think overall about the contract? You know that piece I wrote over at Touchdown Wire. It was sort of revisiting something I wrote you know, in the 2018 season, like early on in the 2018 season, when we first saw Mahomes start to break out, I said, look, he is the paradigm shifter of a quarterback that we're going to see, you know, because we still had organizations, coaches that would get a rookie quarterback and try to make them do what they wanted them to run, try to make them fit that square peg into a round hole. And we saw with Mahomes and Reed and tangentially around the similar time with you know, Sean McVay and Jared Goff to a certain extent. But we saw with Mahomes and Reed, Reed's willingness to say, look, people thought you were an air raid quarterback and that's what you were going to run and that's all you could be. And there were some like Bill Polian that didn't even consider you a draftable prospect. There were some like, you know, a certain, we'll say, Irish quarterback evaluator who looked at Mahomes' game against Oklahoma and said he did not even see a draftable quarterback. There were some that had that opinion. But Reed said, look, I'm going to, Get him up to speed using stuff that he ran in college. And you saw a lot of air raid concepts and things like that early on in Mahomes' career. And so I said, look, you know, the par- the offensive paradigm shift is coming because people are going to look at this and say, we are going to do that with our guy. And what did we see this past season with Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah. You know, so – and now that you see Mahomes and his evolution as a passer, his growth as a quarterback result in this kind of contract – the next guy that's going to get paid, well, I know we're going to talk about Dak. I know we might talk about Watson. But Lamar Jackson, also coming off an MVP season, he's going to get big numbers, I bet, as a result yeah. of this. And, and so, you know, the the game has changed. What's fascinating about this Mahomes contract, and there are much smarter people than me to break down the numbers of this. What I find fascinating is when they, as an organization, think, the salary cap is going to change, you know, because you see the first, you know, the first two years of this, basically a 12 year contract are the rest of his rookie deal. And then the numbers slowly jump. And then it makes the big first jump in 2023 when his base salary goes to 5.5 million. That's the first big jump. That's right around the time we're getting a new TV deal. Hmm. And so if you think about the world we're living in, we might not see 90,000 people packed into FedEx field anytime soon. We might not see 80,000 at Arrowhead anytime soon, but everybody might be home watching from the couch. This next TV deal might be massive. And that's, I think the, the chiefs are obviously making a bunch of different bets with this contract. One is that Mahomes is going to be great and healthy. And that's probably a safe bet. We saw the guy suffer what looked to be a horrific knee injury. He missed a handful of games. 
You know, there's also making the bet that he can elevate the level of play once he takes up more of their cap beyond the rookie deal. Might be a safe bet. And they're also betting that the cap's going to explode with a new TV deal. So, no. I mean, yeah, but, but again, what are they going to do? Say no? <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, and the Chiefs have time to figure this out in terms of their cap, and we can kind of delve even further in, into that. And they're, they're going to need time to figure that out because their 2021 cap situation is in the bottom tier along with teams like the Eagles, and they're going to have to restructure some things to free up money. But 2020, cap hit is only 5.3 mil. 2021 is still a bargain at a cap hit of 24.8. Even 2022, regardless of what happens to the cap in that year in the few years coming up, 31.4 for yeah. Patrick Mahomes is a bargain. Yeah. And after that, obviously, it gets crazy. But for those first three years where Mahomes is going to be 25, 26, 27 years old, those are manageable cap numbers if you're just looking at him alone. One big impact, for example, is the Chris Jones situations. They're, they're, they're talented defensive linemen who they have franchise tagged, and they're in this weird offseason with a looming July 15th deadline to get a deal done with them. And none of these franchise tags, along with Jones, are turning into long-term deals right now because of this weird offseason. So if they don't get that deal done, he would have to play this season on the tag. That tag is worth $16.1 million. I'm sure they want to roll over as much as they can. In the end, they may end up doing what the 49ers did with Eric Armstead and deal him for a first-round pick, and that would give them some cap relief long-term, get a cost-controlled rookie at a premium pick in the building as well. They could also you know, sign Chris Jones to a front-loaded deal, where in Mahomes' light years, they they can kind of mitigate that hit and kind of play them off each other. But either way, this shows you the dilemma that the Chiefs are eventually going to face uh, in the foreseeable future. And it limits what you can do from a team building perspective. So the Chiefs aren't always going to be able to field an all-star supporting cast around Mahomes, much like you saw in this last Super Bowl year. Does that give you concern, Mark? Or are you just like, screw it, it's Mahomes. He's not going to need that supporting cast to that level to be so illustrious and, and do the things that he's able to do and have MVP numbers. I mean, I think I'm more in the camp of screw it, it's Mahomes. Like, yeah. what are we talking about? You know, I think what's going to be interesting to track over the next 12 years or so is what does the situation look like at the end of this deal? You know, because right. having lived through the 20 years of Tom Brady, you know, there was a certain stretch where he was thrown to Rache Caldwell and Heath Evans. And he came at a relative discount compared to other quarterbacks. Right. Like other quarterbacks, you know, they're not married to Gigi. To Giselle, so right? Can't so really he didn't that. need the money, but you know he was taking these team friendly deals, and a lot of people, you know, around the league have said, "Well, well, there was the TB12 thing, and it's Bill <laughs> Belichick, and they're free to the money different ways." And well, yeah. like we talked about last week, yeah, and I, I got some grief for last week's show when I was, you know, almost anti New England with my stance. I got some grief both in and around the family, as well as other places like the Slack channel for my show. People were a little <laughs> upset with me, but here we go again. But at the end of Brady's time, he needed help, you know, and that was one of the things. So when we get into 2028 and 2029, like 2029, when his cap number is $44.9 million, yeah, that might be the time when he starts needing help again. Like in the first you know, six or seven years of this deal, I'm not too worried about him because he's so athletic. His arm is so great. Like he could do things that are going to mitigate the downgrade and talent. And the other thing we're seeing is – Guys can come in and have an impact earlier, you know, especially in an offense like this. You know, I'd imagine at some point 
you know, maybe Eric Bieniemy comes the head coach, or you know, as long as Andy Reid or and or Eric Bieniemy are there, it's going to be a creative type offense. I'm not worried about it in the near term. It's more I'm very curious to see at the end of this: is he still going to be good enough to elevate the level of play when his cap hit is or 2030, you know, 50.4 million dollars. Yeah. That's a big number. Nothing is guaranteed. No. You know, you, you you hope for good health, obviously, and everything like that. And doesn't take a step back. Like, I don't think Mahomes is going to take a step back. I'm not worried about that. But one thing I do want to talk about is I actually want to turn the clock back because a lot of different people, and you kind of said it, smarter than us, can explain the contract in better detail than we can and more assuredly so. So I wanted to turn back the clock and talk about him as a prospect coming out and the evaluation process with all that. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about Dak. We'll talk about Deshaun Watson, all that stuff that's coming up after the break here on the QB Factory. And we are back here on the QB Factory, Episode 6, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with QB1 in our hearts and our minds, Mark Schofield. Mark, I, I wanted to go back in time to Patrick Mahomes, the prospect. And you do a lot of work with Mark Waldman's RSP. And he had you on for his YouTube film room session with Mahomes as he was coming out for the draft. I actually watched that this morning. And for all the dunking that you've probably seen from people acting like he was this sure thing prospect, you know, after the fact. And I don't want to muddy the fact that you were absolutely high on him. But people forget just how polarizing of a prospect that he was. Yeah. Even his supporters, like people like me and you that were comparatively high on him, had to acknowledge that despite the ridiculous ability that was very apparent, there were plenty of flaws to pick apart. And there were causes for concern in terms of his projection to the NFL refinement was a word that you used in terms of what was needed from him in terms of what he's been in the NFL. Has he achieved that refinement or has he more transcended that need? Because there was a point in that film breakdown where Waldman point Blake asked you talking about a play. Do you coach this out of a guy? And you just had this exasperated deep exhale as your immediate reaction. Ultimately you said globally, no, but like you would like to see some of this fixed. Like, where has Mahomes changed as a prospect to an NFL quarterback? Has he made that refinement or has he transcended it? I think he's done a little bit of both. His mechanics now and Mahomes' mechanics were a massive point of contention. Like when I spent some time last night revisiting pre-draft profiles on him and people were like, you know, his mechanics won't work in the National Football League. He's too lazy. He's too loopy. He's not you know, in any sense, refined. He doesn't have this sort of consistency with his mechanics to work in the National Football League. He was the guy where, in that video, I started talking about the idea that mechanics don't matter until they matter. Because right. what I saw from him was he could throw it around his neck, between his legs, behind his back, and he's always put it where it needs to be. So I wasn't so worried about the mechanics, but I did think, and I pulled up my draft profile on him, like I said, he'll need to refine footwork, mechanics, timing, and anticipation you know, but he'll need some game speed to make an action. What I, looking back, well, talk about a hedge because I wrote with him, <laughs> Mahomes might carry with him a bit of a boomer bust tag, but I'm leaning towards the boom side of the ledger and believe that by his third year in the NFL, he's a solid starter in the league. <laughs> See, and you're and a Mahomes I was, supporter, I you had a I mean? QB too. Like it was yeah. Watson one, Mahomes two. And people were like, how can people had Trubisky one? This was the year a lot of people had Kaiser won. And I felt like yep. out on a limb with Watson and Mahomes, you know? Right. Yeah. And 
I said he might be a solid starter in the league by year three. And you were still way wrong. I'm still way wrong. St- I was still wrong. <laughs> Because yeah. I did it right. I believe by his third year in the NFL, he will sign a 10-year, $500 million contract. I, I posted this clip on the timeline today. It's one of those plays that you covered in the film room. It's third and 20 against Oklahoma. Oh, God, yes, 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 yes. He's flushed up into the pocket. He's moving towards the line of scrimmage. His shoulders are perpendicular to the line of scrimmage as he flicks this on the move. From a mechanic standpoint, you're like, what the hell? But it's perfect placement over 20 yards in the air down the middle of the field. And it's just astonishing. And that's so rare, the ability to just throw out the rule book to the to the degree that he does. That at the same time, if you're trying to evaluate him by old conventions of what you think quarterback play is supposed to look like, I can see why you might have missed the boat on this guy. Because everything except the result is wrong by those conventional standards. But again, I'll emphasize everything except the result because the results were always there with him now he had some weird games some really bad games thrown in there too i mean how difficult was it to you're always trying to like fit these quarterbacks in a box or find a comp form like could you find a comp for mahomes that wasn't just like i mean i guess i hope he's brett Favre, but could you really say that with any kind of confidence it was such a weird eval and still to this day and you look around the nfl who is like Mahomes? Like, there, there's really nobody no. that does what he does to the level that he does it. No, there, there's nobody. And he was such a, a tough evaluation. And he's a perfect case of why scheme fit is such a critical component to everything that we do in terms of player evaluation. And landing spot with the coaches yeah. and everything. And, and yeah. Matt and I talked about it in the video. We talked at the end like about scheme fit and coaches. And we both said, yeah, Andy Reid or Bruce Arians. Yep. Like, that's what we said. We said, look, that's what he needs. He needs somebody that's going to be willing to see him make mistakes and say, I'm not going to try to make you, you know, this cautious, conservative guy. I'm going to live with you in a game where you throw three picks because I know the next night you might go out and throw six TDs. Like, I'm right. going to be okay with that. If he lands with like a Jeff, Adam Gaze. You know, a Jeff Fisher or John yeah. Fox or somebody right. like that, he is not – Patrick Mahomes like he may still be the solid starter of the league by year three type but he's not the guy that's signing this contract he's not the guy that's on the cover of Madden he's not the guy that that Anthony Gordon wants to emulate when he's making no look throws to the middle of the field to a wide open guy and missing him by 10 yards yeah because he needed that and so and that's not really and and that might sound like a knock it's it's not it's it's a bad situation that would limit the cap for the potential of any quarterback we spend in this business so much time like breaking these guys down and studying the film just go to take that time and go to arby's and eat there because (laughs) none of it matters none of what we say matters what matters is where these guys land and that's why when we get trevor lawrence when we get trey lance when we get justin fields and this next crop like whichever one lands with adam gase and whichever one lands with eric b enemy like bet on the guy that lands with b enemy yeah 100 percent. and it's like it's like with the golf wentz situation right yeah Think about the night after that first round. I remember sitting with our chatting with our mutual friend, the great Dan Hatman. Goff had gone one to the Rams and Jeff Fisher. Wentz had gone two to the Eagles with Doug Peterson and Frank Reich in that quarterback room. And Dan told me in no certain ter- unter- no uncertain terms during that conversation, bet on Wentz. Why? Right. Look where he landed and look where Goff landed. 
Like right. the Goff Wentzlin is a perfect example of what we're talking about. And then year two, Goff gets a remake of the offense with McVay coming yep. in and things look completely different for him. Yep. Now, last year was a bit shaky, but you see the ceiling a quarterback can hit. You see the floor a quarterback can hit. And you definitely see why in those situations. Carson Wentz coming into a situation with Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, Frank, Di- you know, uh, DiFilippo, like all these different offensive-minded, quarterback-minded coach. Meanwhile, golf is there with Jeff Fisher, and it's just an, uh, an abject mess. Yeah. So that that's a great way to kind of uh, lay that out and make the case that Patrick Mahomes would be much different if he landed into Goff's situation in year one and, and if that had extended beyond year one. Not saying he would be Jerry Goff. I think he would still be better, but he wouldn't be 10 mil, 500 mil, or 10-year, 500 mil, that type of thing. What, what does that mean, that contract that I brought it up again? So we might as well kind of take a look around the league and what it means for other quarterbacks. Like, Dak Prescott has got to be like, oh, thank you, because he, he's not going to make that. He's not going to get that contract. But when you look at what it means long-term and he's looking for a long-term deal, he could say, well, you know, I, I'm worth near close to that, aren't I? Do you not want me here? What are you going to do? Say no? So right now, he doesn't have a long-term deal. And then you're looking at Deshaun Watson, who's probably looking for a long-term deal as well. What does it mean for those guys? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the other thing to think about with respect to what Kansas City did is they got out the gate, right? Like, look at it this way yeah. from their perspective. If you're the Chiefs and somehow the Cowboys get a deal done with Dak, let's push in maybe 40, 41, 42 million per. Like, wow. you've got to look at, wow. What's Mahomes going to be worth in that kind of world? And so I think it was very smart by Kansas City to get ahead of this. I think if you're Dak now, you're going to say, my demands of $40 million per aren't that crazy. You know, right. Am I that much worse than Patrick Mahomes? I'm not maybe on his level, but you know, maybe getting $10 million less, you know, $40 million as opposed to $50 million, that almost looks cheap by comparison, right? So pay me that kind of money. Which makes you look at the Wentz contract and go, hey. hey, Wentz is like on a rookie deal at this point. I mean, (laughs) Wentz is like making, you know, Marcus Mariota money. So like, look, again, the paradigm is completely shifted. So I think Watson, I think Dak, they're going to be like, yeah, pay me 42 million per. And I'm a a cheap date by comparison. (laughs) You know, I do think the one to watch is Lamar. Like if he goes out, oh, yeah. if he wins a playoff game, like if they make a run to an AFC championship game to a Super Bowl, like, cause that seems to be the one knock on Jackson right now is that, yeah, you know, he had a great regular season last year. Is it sustainable? You know, can they win a playoff game? He's 0-2 in the playoffs right now. And whatever you want to say about QB wins, like if you make this kind of investment, you want to see a Super Bowl run. Like, right. Let's, let's just be honest here. So I think they have a deep run this year. They win a playoff game. We'll, we'll see you know, that possibly come to fruition. The interesting thing with Baltimore is look what they did this offseason. They loaded up to do one thing, stop Derrick Henry. Like, mm-hmm. As much as we think about the running game doesn't matter, they drafted a pair of linebackers, Patrick you know, Patrick Queen in the first round, Malik Harrison in the third round, Justin Matabuke in the third round. They added some defensive line, Calais Campbell. Like Derrick Henry dropped 195 on their head in the divisional round. And they were a bad run defense. They were our top four defense against the pass, a defensive DVOA, but they were 20th in the league in stop of the run and defensive DVOA. They want to stop the run. That's what they're worried about right now. And so if they can win a playoff game, Jackson's going to be, okay, where's my bag? Yeah, and Baltimore reinvesting in the defenses. I mean, they understand. Uh, of the top five DVOA defenses since 2019, 
there's only one that is stuck in the top five for five years straight. That was the Legion of Boom, the yeah. Seattle defense. Denver, Arizona, Chicago all did it for three years in a row. Baltimore is going into year four. It's just highly unlikely to keep a defense at that level for that length of time. Baltimore obviously invested in that. Now, when they signed Lamar, and I was thinking, you know, now every every quarterback contract isn't resetting the market. The market is now Patrick Mahomes. Right. But if you get to a situation with Lamar Jackson where he does that, where he wins a playoff game, now you might be in, into a situation where he could end up getting more than Mahomes. And you look five years down the line, you look at Mahomes deal and go, well, it's not as bad as the Lamar no. contract. So, hey. <laughs> no, it's not as bad as that Trey Lance deal that Trey Lance just signed. <laughs> right. Like, man, yeah. he just signed for 10 years, you know, $750 million. I thought when this thing first came out, I thought there was going to be three commas. I thought this was going to be a Trace <laughs> commas deal. I thought it was going to be like, you know, so by comparison, there's only two commas here. So it's, right. like, it's cheap. We're going, to see and then- a, we're going to see a Trace commas deal at some point. You are. I mean, the the big for as much uncertainty as there is right now with the cap because of COVID, and they may might spread that hit out so they don't have to like lower the cap for the next couple of years or few years or whatever the case may be. New TV deals are coming down the line. Yeah. I think it's like 2023, 2024, yep. and we're gonna see a big influx of cash into the NFL. And you might see that that three comma paycheck come to a guy like Lamar Jackson or a Trey Lance or a Trevor Lawrence in the future. So. Who knows, man? You know Shifting would be amazing mm. if the first three comma deal went to a running back. <laughs> Jesus, could you okay. imagine? Could you imagine? Dave, <laughs> Dave, Dave Gettleman needs to calm down and say Juan Barkley because that's who it's going to be, right? <laughs> who else would it be? Would it would it be? I mean, oh uh, God, uh, Bill O'Brien with his love for for running backs, he'll be he'll, he'll be fired think, by then. Do you think David Johnson gets it? Jeez, <laughs> what a what a, what a squid brained. <laughs> idiot okay that's gonna do it for our talk of the mahomes contract mark thank you as always any last words for the gentle listeners before we get out of here um wear the masks i guess i don't know things are things are always yeah, crazy so wear a mask you know it's a, it's yeah. okay that's all i guess you would like people people not to I, die and i, I want to be able like to some you know see some football in the fall and you know do my job god i hope so <laughs> we'll be back uh we're gonna do that third year projection thing there the third year breakout candidates thing that i've teased for i don't know roughly a month we're gonna do that on the next show we were gonna do that today but the homeless contract obviously uh superseded all of that we had to talk about it so we'll talk about that next time on the qb factory they might even be coming to you sometime later this week so keep it Keep it locked in here at BGN. Leave a five-star review. Leave a rating. If you have questions for us, the best way to get an answer on it, put it in iTunes with a five-star review, and we'll get to those once we have enough questions. So make sure you do that. And thank you for listening to the QB Factory. BGN.